Okay, we are live, 2-19-2024, President's Day. This is Where is the Curve, Chief Crow and the Flat Earth Worms. Uh, the curve is in your mind, if you're wearing the appropriate reality filter. If you still have your face firmly pressed up against the ubiquitous screen, yes, uh, the curve is everywhere. All right, we're joined by Con, oh, Corn, Fred, Corn Fed Radio. Copesthetic, Frank Murr, the HBIC. I just sent out notifications a minute ago. Uh, we're back live in studio. We have phones open. Um, someone, we missed you. I hope you enjoyed the time off. Um, I had I had a fever. My, my hot skull. My head was on fire. Like my temperature was up, but my bones felt like ice, and I didn't necessarily not enjoy it. I mean, you don't have to do anything. It was kind of stress-free, but it was uncomfortable. But while I was in the uh, fever states, I was getting a lot of writing and thinking done. And I rethought how I'm going to do this channel. And largely, I'm just basically revisiting what has worked in the past. So, for example, uh, 10, 20-minute videos, topic-oriented daily, in addition to the live streams. And this generates a lot of comments, a lot of debate, a lot of discussion. And then I can soundbite things as well. We have the YouTube Shorts. And finally, the biggest development so far um, in the last, you know, in the last year even, is, is the fact that the YouTube channel now is monetized. And what that means is we will have a steady revenue stream to drive this channel forward as we did in the early days. You know, super chats, memberships, and all that. And it matters because the time that I'm not doing this because it's not earning takes away from this. And ultimately, I'd rather be doing this full time. So now that we're monetized, I don't have to spend half my time doing other things, which is great. It'll take a couple of months for the first um, uh, ad revenue and whatever to come in. But I've done this before, and I know how to play it safe. And so for one thing, we're not going to put any obviously bannable content. I'm going to focus mostly on pre-produced, pre-edited material that has no chance of being censored. That's the main point. I will live stream on this channel, but if we take calls, um, I will happily either drop calls or simply jump to another channel. And I have a few sock accounts I could use because we're just not going to compromise it. We just have to play by their rules for the time being. I was kind of surprised that all of a sudden, they said, hey, you're approved. I was almost certain they wouldn't have, and I'm wondering if maybe my lawsuit has something to do with it. And by the way, I just filed into the suit. We have a kind of a pre-trial hearing coming up in May. And this is me versus Google YouTube slash uh, Marcus Goldfinch. And it's moving along nicely because they are doing the usual stuff and basically trying to deny, that is Google, uh, trying to deny that they're colluding with Goldfinch. And I have a confessional email, and I had to file an amendment to really drive home the point that these confessionals are admissions not only of guilt, but of malice. Yeah, he had malicious intent when he went after my channels. He did so out of uh, sadistic joy because he's some kind of a hacker. And his intent matters here. It'll make the judges work a lot easier when arriving at his conclusion. So anyway, I think it's progressing nicely. A worst case scenario, they will claim that even though Google's in San Mateo County, YouTube's in Santa Clara. Well, YouTube is Google. 
so it shouldn't make a difference, but they may try to switch venues on me or, or dismiss it based on venue, in which case I'm going to say I'm not obliged to that fine print that says I must sue in this county because I'm not suing them as a YouTube user. I'm suing as a podcaster, and it just happens to be that YouTube is a platform where my stalker was able to seize control of my content for several years. And even though that falls under you know, intellectual property, uh, trademark, infringement, that's all federal stuff. However, I'm bringing it up as a cause of action as evidence of stalking and harassment. I'll deal with the uh, trademark and, and the federal stuff later when I deal with the cyber squatting. And speaking of cyber squatting, I actually saw David Hogg is engaging in cyber squatting, and I let him know. Um, if you're not familiar with Donald Trump's new thing, he's now selling gold shoes. And David Hogg bought some domain, like Shop Trump Shoes or something like that, and directed a lot of traffic to an anti-Trump gun grab site. And you, you know, you can call that clever if you want, but you know, it's, it's actually it's an unfair trade practice tantamount to piracy. It's very problematic and he shouldn't be doing it, but he did. But anyway, today I spent most of the time um, writing on this, uh, working on this legal paperwork and just preparing for the contingencies, but I have every confidence that we will have Google in a courtroom this year. And I'll have their compliance in getting Goldfinch out, because one thing he did, the attorney did say is, one, we don't represent Goldfinch. They said goldfish. We don't represent goldfish. And two, we are as much a victim of fraud as you are. So they're basically throwing him under the bus, which is exactly what I wanted to happen. Uh, that's really the whole purpose of the suit, you know, to get justice for the criminal activity used to suppress infinite plane society. And it was all criminal activity. We're talking. I actually put in the filing. Uh, felonies. And generally you'd have the criminal and then civil. But since he hasn't been caught yet, we're doing it backward. All right, let's go ahead and continue here. Joined by Osher, Mom with Sons, Zinvelis, Angst G, Salty Siren, Yurt Mama. Okay, look, we're going to be back on a regular schedule, so the numbers are going to go up. I'll start sending out text blasts very soon as well. But even though I was out for about a week or so, I definitely made use of the time and I have this new trifecta I'm going to be using OBS to record audible for the audio editing and Canva for producing video I've already released a couple of short videos auto hoaxology axioms you know just basic things like non belief is not denialism like these are very important points as we draw a distinction between trutherville and the off-world stage perspective and this distinction needs to be made. And I've been saying for some time that there has to be a schism, a separation. We have to basically quarantine from anyone still infected with hopium addictions, uh, mentanol-laced red pill junkies. We have to get away from them. And they're welcome to quit and join us, but we have to maintain a certain purity. And there's a line. And I recently made a graphic to show how this works. The the line between what I would consider to be the uh, mediated worldview, the Truman Show, and the real world. 
and it's pretty uh, straightforward. It's what I call the monolithic worldview filter on this diagram. But what I'm describing here is simply worldviews and how people arrive at them and how ironically the red pill conspiracy theorists, alt media types, and the woke left wing extreme fringe types are deeper in delusion than the people who are just accepting the basic view, the mainstreamed screened reality which is one that's augmented, as we often describe. Augmented with things that don't exist. And we have a lot of things to point out that don't exist, a lot of events that didn't happen, but things that people accept, consensus lies, things created with propaganda, media fakery. And this worldview is basically an augmented reality. We talk about augmented virtual reality, Oculus glasses, people walking around with those uh, ridiculous looking lenses on their faces but we already have those we've already internalized a filter and that's what I'm always describing here when I say it's monolithic and it happens to just be the big things you know we fight over 99 details and people get in the mud over minutia all the time but they agree on the big lies like so for example we have all the culture war stuff, we have the different political platforms, the disagreements on the role of government and borders and medical uh, procedures, you know, all these things we see people debating over 24-7, but they agree on the big lies, and that's how I know this whole game is rigged. All that is just pretty much distraction. Uh, for example, and right now you can actually apply for this, um, Elon Musk says he has a plan to get a million people to Mars. A million people. Well, I looked at Mars simulations, and you can actually apply. You have until April 2nd to apply, and they're going to ask you a few questions, such as, how did you fare during the COVID isolation, the quarantine? Because essentially, the Mars preparation facility is nothing more than an isolation, a period of isolation in a cramped environment with a lot of people. Life on Mars. NASA wants volunteers for a year-long Mars colony simulation. They are already built the base. So they already have simulations. Isn't this interesting how we're like going to the moon, we're going to Mars, we're going to build bases, we're going to colonize Mars, but first, we have to completely simulate it down here first. Like, it's a little conspicuous. Like, if you ask me, these are movie sets. And that's how they're going to pull this off. But in early 2025, there's going to be a number of people moving into this prison. And Mars is inseparable. The whole Mars project is inseparable from communism. Uh, there's an old book, I think 1906 or so, it's called Red Star. But you can find that the early rocket pioneers in Russia were all about perfecting communism on Mars. And then exporting it back to the Earth. And this has been a reoccurring theme. In fact, these are the same thinkers that have pretty much inspired Elon Musk's concept of man becoming a multi-planetary species. Now, NASA has said no one over 55 you will be living in the Mars Dune Alpha in Houston, Texas. Anyway, this is a realistic Mars habitat simulation with the goal of long-duration explorative missions in space. 
And I've looked at all of these things, and they all look like nightmare scenarios of basically being in close quarters, or as they say here, Spartan living, reflecting what life would be like on Mars. Because by the way, there's not an atmosphere for you. You're going to be beneath the ground. So even if you go to Mars, it's going to basically be a basement. And I've said for some time that the video game culture, you know, or Netflix, home theater, it's all about getting you comfortable sitting in a basement, living through a simulation. Simulated space environments, endless science fiction, and every other movie on Netflix is science fiction about what happens when we ruin the Earth. How do we go forward? Uh, what's Mars going to be like? And it's always ascetic. It's always Spartan. It's basically uh, gulags, space gulags. I mean, space communism is the future. And it's clever because the capitalists are like, oh, I don't trust these environmentalists. That's just watermelon Marxism. They're using the cover of Saving Gaia, the cover of the Green Agenda, to advance communism. I see through that. But then they see rockets going up to space, and they can't wait to go to Mars with Elon Musk. It's like, don't you realize that the space program is actually just an extension of environmentalism? The space program is where they sell you on the utopian lifestyle of perfect sustainability, everything's recyclable, out there in outer space. It's a utopian vision. Like the Marxist worker's paradise, that's what it is. So they've managed to use the space program to sell the capitalists on their own enslavement under the guise of this is the ultimate expression of free market and capitalism driving all these technologies. When in fact, no, actually it's movie magic. And you've been dumbed down and you're being in basically indoctrinated uh, to accept the screen as an authority which makes you a dupe we were all space cadets you know that tv show it was a, a hoax called space cadets but it was a television show reality tv show slash hoax where a group of uh, would-be cosmonauts were convinced that they were in low earth orbit and it's a fascinating study on how, how mass deception works because one of the things that holds this thing together and it's called space cadets 10 consecutive nights in 2005 the series was a hoax at the expense of the contestants who were told they were being trained as cosmonauts before undergoing a five-day trip into low earth orbit they did not leave the earth but what held this in place is they had uh, 10 or about a dozen contestants on board and half of them were actors. Half of them were dupes. And as long as the dupes weren't able to network, as long as the actors kept them separate, they weren't able to form conspiracy theories about how it all might just be fake. But Space Cadets is a, is a microcosm of our world. And at the end of the series, everybody laughs at them because they're crying when the walls come down and they find out that they were lied to. And anybody laughing at that has to realize that the power elite behind the monolithic mass deceptions um, are laughing at us in the exact same way. Alright, let's see what we have here. Angst G says, wonder what Disney ride they're going to use to send us there. Yeah, one of the pictures that tells a thousand words is the picture of Warner Von Braun hanging out with Walt Disney. That tells you everything. And Disneyland is a closed system, like a Truman Show. You know, the Truman Show only works because in this 
movie set reality, uh, Truman Burbanks doesn't have any interaction with anybody outside. So he's trapped within a false paradigm. Well, that closed system model is what we live in on a macrocosmic scale, but the technology of creating a simulated uh, world is there. And Mars bases, there's probably a dozen Mars bases. Under Arizona, under Nevada, I mean, who knows where these things are? Like, I thought for some time that maybe Musk was going to send a million dumbed-down Americans to underground Mars bases beneath China as slaves, the Chinese government, to pay off our debts, and they would think they're on Mars. We'd be able to go online and say, hey, look, they're on the Mars base. We can you know, chit-chat with them on, on the Internet. Thinking they're on Mars, they think they're on Mars, but they're actually farming potatoes, some subterranean hellhole beneath China, thinking that they're the vanguard of you know, human progress. But that's one of my points here, is that the space program is not about progress. It's about neo-feudalism and a new dark age. Dressed up as the Jetsons, at least on TV. But they can't really deliver on any of these promises. Joined by Buzz Dean, Thirst for Truth. Dominic, thank you for joining. And yes, we're going to be live far more often now. I took a short break because of a... An, it was just strange. I think I caught Disease X. My computer crashed for no reason. And immediately after, I crashed. And I think I caught it from the computer. And I I say that because I've been having these weird experiences where I, I'm like, am I neuralinked already? I don't even have to say something to be targeted with an advertisement. I just think about it. i got to be careful what I think about. Like, we live in a black mirror universe. All right, let's go ahead and continue here. We were talking about the screened reality, which, again, this is just an important concept um, because moving forward we are going to uh, create a schism. We really want to make sure that there's a, a clear division uh, between the propaganda mules of controlled opposition alt-media and legitimate media skeptics. And one of the main distinctions, one final point here, is that we're talking about believers and seekers who are insisting upon knowing rather than just believing the best source because we're in the age of information we should demand better but I want to point out that the alt media types are auto believers just as the mainstream ones are and by auto believers I mean they don't have a skepticism against the mainstream's basic depiction of things they only question uh, their interpretation they add to it but they never question the essential reality of it they automatically believe it and that's the line auto believers auto hoaxers and for the longest time alt media has been trying to shut us out in fact they still do there is no platform for this but that's going to change because we are that platform and we are going to move forward on this premise fake until proven real why well, because we live in a deep, fakeable reality, even normies have to recognize this, it's laughable. We have a war starting somewhere on the other side of the world a few months ago, and instead of people getting triggered by it, they're fighting over which side's propaganda is less believable. And they're both right. Uh, it's equally subjective, and it turns out that it's only real, not if it looks real. It's only real if it's designated real. 
Welcome to the desert of the designated real. And the difference between those of us who have rejected the automatic belief, which is compulsory, and there's too much news out there for you to go ahead and parse it all. So if you're just going to believe it all, you're going to be accepting a lot of stuff that you haven't had time to uh, actually decide if it's believable. I mean, look, we, we're, we're having our reality augmented, and it's tantamount to delusion, but since everyone has the same delusions, nobody notices. The ones who aren't delusional stand out as heretics. And it's not a small deal. Like, this is not hyperbole. If you really think about the fact that we're generations deep into a mind control operation that spans the entire world, that has introduced things that do not exist, new gods to terrorize the ignorant, the profane, those who haven't been shown the reality of how this place works. I mean, we're talking about, for example, weapons of mass destruction, nukes, the mushroom cloud. You know, this whole thing has been used to reshape geopolitics, to put everyone on the edge. Like, at any moment, somebody might have a bad day, push a button, and we're all going to die. Like, they introduce the, these conditions that aren't exactly real, but they actually shape our entire geopolitical reality around these lies. What does that say? I mean, it's interesting to note the points of agreement. Like, we can look at all the things they fight over, and it's all by design. It's a perfect schism right down the middle. Look at all these little things they fight over, but then again, it's, they all agree we're going to Mars. Antifa, Proud Boys, uh, Nazis, doesn't matter You know where they are on the political spectrum. They all believe that we are going to Mars, and that that's progress, and Musk is going to take us there. I said Nazis because there's these individuals who are uh, waving swastikas and they're marching around Nashville or something. They don't look like the usual feds. I didn't see all the khakis, and uh, but it's kind of a joke. I'm not really, look, I'm not getting engaged. And I'm not making moral equivalencies. However, look at Proud Boys. Look at the Soy Boy Antifas. Soy Boys, Proud Boys, both of them fighting for favor of big daddy government. Like, it's just an ugly scene. I don't know why anybody would get involved. All right, let's catch up on my notes here again. Musk is going to send a million people to Mars. He's got a plan for it. Uh, we also have something going down. I think it's a piece of space junk from the ESA. Uh, should be landing somewhere in the next 12 hours, probably over the ocean. Hopefully Seattle. Nothing new there. Now, I was looking at some old articles here, uh, foreshadowing. Like, for example, October 2022, the ISS had to take evasive action to dodge fragments of a satellite destroyed by a Russian anti-satellite test. So this has been put into play a couple of years ago, the idea that Russia is doing anti-satellite tests because they didn't sign some treaty that said they wouldn't do that. So you'll find Russia, India, China blowing stuff up in space. We can't do that. But then later, the, these bits of space debris might return. And one of the things I want to point out what we're seeing, and this is where truthers get it wrong, they think that the predictive programming is some kind of um, occult way of telling people what they're going to do so we accept it or something, which it's not quite that. It's more like in order for the propaganda to sink in, they have to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. So they drill you with it, with the simulation, with the entertainment. 
they write it into the narrative, they write it into the story, they bore those narrow pathways in your mind so that when they fake it on the news, it just seems logical, seems real, doesn't raise any questions. So the reason for predictive programming is really to prepare you for what they're going to do. It's not revelation of the method to allow the people who are doing bad things to dodge karmic retribution because they're not doing bad things. They're faking doing bad things. There's a big difference. But these explanations are all over the place. There's all kinds of ways people try to explain it. It's just a coincidence. It's an eerie coincidence. No. The reason for predictive programming, one, is to prepare you, but two, it's an indication that we live in a news-bent reality. They're writing our news uh, probably decades in advance in broad strokes, and then they get more detailed as and nuanced as it comes time to execute it, but they're writing our history in advance and living it out on the world stage like a reality TV show. Don't believe me? Look at January 6th. Look at the planning that goes into any one of these psychological operations. I mean, look, the January 6th one is a fascinating study because not only are we looking at a, a staged event, but then there's a very powerful counter-narrative that it was instigated. So I have to point out that January 6th was not stimulated by provocateurs. It was simulated with actors and nobody died. But when you look deeper into it, there's foreshadowing for January 6th going back to Waco. And the 1-6 code, you know, Waco, 1.6 million rounds caused the ATF to go in. Waco is where Alex Jones and Timothy McVeigh were both radicalized. We often talk about the symbolism inherent in all this stuff, but my point of it is, going back to Waco and this, the genesis of this white nationalist uh, Turner Diaries narrative of going to war against the government when they try to take the guns, uh, this insurrection narrative has been building for some time. I would even point to Dylan Roof. Dylan Storm Roof, his middle name. The storm is coming. It was all about storming the Capitol. My point of it is, we're living in a movie-infused reality. They use reality TV, or the tactics, the procedures, the, um, the methods of reality TV in order to live out their prefabricated histories. And our history is really nothing but a record of mainstream media. And this is why they don't care what we say. They censor us, sure, but we're not a threat to the system because they know at the end of the day their version of reality is the official one. Everything else will get burned. That's why I compare the MSM to uh, not only the world state church, but the, the MSM version of reality is our new Bible. It is the official world view that is accepted as the universally accepted one. And they're at the point now where they just have to get rid of the non-canonical. They have to get rid of the apocrypha. They're cleansing it. That's what all the censorship is for. And, you know, in interestingly, this does tie into Elon Musk and his role on the world stage as something of like a Constantine, where Constantine had a vision of the glowing cross, and then he's like, this is the sign under which I'll unite everything. Well, what did Musk do? He put the glowing cross on his building when he bought Twitter, turned it to X, and he said, this is going to be the everything app. And if you look at it, what... Twitter is doing, what X is doing, is it's making the case for the public that we need to acquiesce to some level of censorship. Because all this unmitigated free-flowing information is causing mentally ill people to pop off. It's spreading hate. 
So Musk is sort of a fall guy for free speech itself, and he's here to destroy it so the public demands that we have some censored worldview where everything's clearly delineated as real or fake, because the public is confused. The general public, the, the non-discerning, non-skeptical public, they have mind aids. They don't have a mental immune system. They just believe whatever comes through, so it's very harmful for them to have unapproved ideas floating around. At least that's the argument they've accepted. This is the same argument in 2020 that had people seeing the healthy as the most dangerous people, because of course they can spread stuff to the most people with compromised immune systems. Well, similarly, uh, we would be the healthy because we can discuss ideas without accepting them. Like Aristotle said, it's the mark of an educated mind to entertain an idea without accepting it. Well, here we are entertaining ideas, but the public is being conditioned to think that what we're doing is we are keeping dangerous mind viruses alive that someone else might catch and act in some extreme way. And the public is going along with this lockstep. And my point of it is, Musk is part of it. That's why I've been saying that Disease X is not going to be a virus, but it's going to be a mind virus. Disease X is just going to be this blanket excuse for censoring cyberspace because it's a new commons, just like we have to get rid of the space junk because it's a commons. And they've made this correlation also. Elon Musk, leading promulgator of space junk. Elon Musk, leading promulgator of mind junk. So the whole disease X thing is about X and mind junk and the need to get rid of mind junk because, of course, a lot of people have no mental immune systems. And the reason they don't is they don't want you to have one. They need you to be a believer. And that's what I mean when I say auto-believer. People who automatically believe without a filter. And that filter is more necessary now than probably at, at any other time. Just considering how fakeable everything is. Your Mama says, I've been listening to Michael Hoffman's podcast on Spotify. Oh, interesting. I'll have to listen to it. Michael Hoffman, Secret Society, Psychological Warfare. And he's the one who brought a lot of James Shelby Downard's work to light, King Kill 33, a lot of OG Metascript breakdown. Very interesting material. Uh, but Michael Hoffman is the one who really promotes the idea that predictive programming is some kind of quote, revelation of the method. That they are telling us what they're doing because it's part of uh, some occult ritual, etc. Which I, I kind of get his perspective, but he assumes that what is happening is real. And this is going to have to be another axiom I'll have to put out there, that uh, predictive programming merely precedes what they're going to fake. You know, it's wrong to assume that predictive programming tells us what they're going to do in reality. And even as, early, as recently as a couple years ago or last year when the train derailed in Ohio, I saw a lot of pretty advanced thinkers in the Trutherville realm thinking the derailment was real. And InfoWars came out and they said, yeah, there's a movie White Noise on Netflix that preceded what happened with the derailment in Ohio. And actors from the movie were actually having to evacuate from the real-life event. And what they said was, this is revelation of the method, dark occultists telling us what they're going to do. And I think that's ridiculous. 
and it's it's not only ridiculous it's a thought-stopping cliche it's like really you should be thinking you know what does this really tell us you know interestingly about the derailment because you know last year it's all about train derailments every other day this year it's all been about planes you notice I don't know what the difference is trains planes what's gonna be next but the uh, thing about last year was East Palestine Ohio Ohio the heart of it all that's their uh, state slogan so the heart of the nation we had the derailment which had some symbolism like a heart attack in a way a bloated uh, system here there's the deregulation it was blamed on Trump but the derailment in Palestine Ohio East Palestine Ohio seemed to be kind of a foreshadowing because it had a quote toxic airborne event is what they called it in white noise it had this mushroom cloud very ominous looking mushroom cloud and I thought, hmm, this could be foreshadowing. Because, of course, then after that we have Oppenheimer. And then we have the event of 10-7. So Palestine is back, you know, in the news. And I'm thinking there might be some relation. There might be some kind of foreshadowing. Just mixing Palestine with mushroom clouds. All right, let's see here. Skyfish says, I was wondering what happened to you. Yeah, again, I had disease X or I had some kind of virus um, I caught it from my computer maybe I got my computer sick but it was a it was a, a fever hot skull and if you haven't seen hot skulls I kind of recommend it I, I guess it's a satire but the story is there's a verbally communicated mind virus going around so the government mandates that everybody quarantine and wear earplugs when they go out and if you see somebody without their earplugs on they're probably dangerous and don't listen to what they're saying and the it's kind of a parody because what they're saying is gibberish and they call it jabbering which might be some kind of a funny reference to people speaking ill of the quote jab but the protagonist has all these he has all these um, mind viruses in his head and they can detect him his skull is hot but he's not going crazy so they're studying him I'm like, why is this individual not going crazy and he's not wearing earplugs? Like he's somehow inoculated. And I think it's kind of a good description of us, the hot skull idea, that we can entertain all these ideas without going crazy. They can't because they don't have that immune system. Infinite Plane Radio is mind war inoculation. It's truly that. When is the last time any of you got triggered? by a news story got emotionally involved because you thought it was real the main stuff that still gets people you know are you know body counts and all this but lately they've been kind of minimalistic and what really underscores the fakery of it all is the scripting and you know you can't always predict the future based on their scripts but you can read trends and you can see what they're repeating what they're getting you to just accept like, it's notable that last month, uh, you know, last, about a month ago, they released the movie ISS. And ISS was about Russia and America fighting in space. Like, this is all just preparing people. They give you the visuals. A couple years before that, we had Moonfall, which has us prepared for stuff falling from the sky. Like, they have to project the imagery on the collective psyche first so that you draw upon that when they make it happen for real. I mean, the process is pretty straightforward. 
they catapult the propaganda through repetition, but the way they repeat it and repeat it and repeat it is through entertainment. They drill it into your mind. All right, let's continue here. Uh, okay, I want to just point this out too. Uh, we're rising above media literalism. And what is media literalism? Well, it's like hearsay. I saw it on the screen, therefore it's real. And, you know, I've been looking up various uh, court rulings on how video and photography is considered evidence and the arguments against it. And I've found some pretty interesting arguments that you could say that an anonymous clip, uh, photograph, or a video um, might be looked at as hearsay. Uh, depending on whether there's any way to fact check it or even question the person who produced the image. So it's here. here's a article from Connor reporting. If there are no witnesses present who can be cross-examined, an attorney can argue that the substance of the video evidence is hearsay. So when somebody just throws a video at you as evidence, I'm like, well, you're kind of making an argument from authority and really... In the age of deep fakery, we, we can't be media literalists. So rising above media literalism, a higher level of skepticism, and it's kind of a paradigm shift. And speaking of paradigm shift, I came across this interesting clip here I'm going to play. And this is on my X account. This is from Professor Brian Keating. Check out how professor professional demystifier... Dr. Ben Berry demystifies the notion of paradigm shifts, because this is something we've been talking about lately quite a bit uh, with regard to the mediation and how we approach it. I think about Newton trying to figure out how light worked, and he was missing pieces, and so he could never fully come to a model that made sense, and it tortured him. There is this metaphysical aspect where he had a worldview that was governed by the limits of what he could imagine, and the limits of what everybody around him could imagine. Okay, so he had a worldview governed by the limits of what he imagined and what everyone else could imagine. But the point here is that the worldview is constrained by the consensus trance, by tradition, by adherence to orthodoxies. And that's what we are running up against consistently. And when we talk about paradigm shifts, the notion of paradigm shifts is that the paradigm shift kind of comes out of nowhere. I think that what actually happens is that there's a group of people who see things in a specific way, and at some point, that way of looking at things becomes impossible to ignore. Okay, so impossible to ignore. Now, what we're doing here is breaking away from those who continually drown us out. I don't want to be mixed in with Trutherville. They're hopium addicts. They're delusionists. They exist within a subset of the mainstream delusion. They're no closer to the exit than your average uh, blue pill apathetic normie. Uh, that's the same can be said for the, the woke. Uh, it's a false awakening. And we have to break away from that uh, to make this distinction as far as how what we're doing is different from what everyone else is doing. Then we become unignorable. And that's been the topic as of like the last years is the idea of becoming unignorable and distinct, a parallel media. And that's the point where it metastasizes, in my opinion.
able to ignore it. And then all of a sudden, the moment arrives where the tension with the old ideas is so high that the only thing that's left to do is to switch. Okay, tension with the old ideas. And, you know, I'm looking at this as a kind of like an underdog type of movement. Um, think Saul Alinsky, the ways for aggregating power and influence as a small group confronting a larger group. And that's, I think, going to be the breaking point when the influencers in Trutherville have to contend with a lot of skeptics who have figured out the rigged game. All right, joined by Thrust Azar says, I figure they do things like East Palestine to obscure our search results. Yeah, I have seen a lot of examples of this, where certain things that are searched for are obscured by a lot of noise. I mean, that's really the purpose of Google. You know, they put out this recent thing, I think it's called uh, Sensitive Events. Yeah, sensitive events. So Google's like, look, we have to do what we can to provide high-quality, relevant information in the event of an unforeseen development, a, quote, sensitive event. And it's like, since when has Google ever made it their priority to provide high-quality, relevant information and ground truth? It's kind of a joke. All right, let's continue through my notes. I did a short 10-minute video on the Mandela Effect. If you want to check that out, you can just find it on the main channel. It's a conversation worth having, and we're not done with it by any means. But um, I want to go ahead and, and hit on all these various truth or orthodoxies in order to kind of create some debate and maybe bring out a lot of logical fallacies. I am just amazed when I look at the mind games, the Jedi mind tricks that are being played against us every single day. And it's very clever. You know, one of the most clever things of all to me is when somebody says, what are they spraying? And I put out a video on this subject to describe that there's at least six or seven logical fallacies built into the chemtrail proposition. But I just want to say it's embarrassing that some people are still holding on to something that is dependent upon an argument from ignorance because the reality of contrails is something that has to be disputed before you can insert an alternate explanation. So the chemtrail theory doesn't have a lot to weigh against the contrail theory. And I have someone hitting me up on YouTube and they're like, when I was a kid, we didn't have these trails. And I'm like, okay, I've heard that a million times. I've had people say, when I was growing up, the sky was blue and the sun was yellow. And I'm like, okay, look, the fact of it is, I have been finding records going back to the 1950s of the Air Force, working out different charts so they could predict these things so their military craft don't leave trails. So we have decades and decades and decades of observations, and it's all connected to humidity and altitude. I was watching all kinds of planes fly over me today, no trails. So am I supposed to think, oh, I guess they're not spraying today? That's, that would be the conclusion, right? No, it's just because, of course, the climate. A lot of faulty causality. But the reason why these things are worth studying, the reason why the Mandela effect is worth studying, 
is they not only unravel a lot of these logical fallacies, but they also show you the power of the framing of a question or the framing of a debate. Like the interesting thing to me about the Mandela effect is the proposition is reality's fluid, everything's shifting. But every Mandela effect arrives as a binary. There's only option A and option B. Well, um, that limits the number of possibilities and the selectivity of the interrogator is really what drives the creation of this phenomenon. And it's very similar to how the media operates. How they don't give you enough information to dispute, just enough to believe if you trust them. And that's a position they put you in so that you're rushed to believe. And it's usually based on a cognitive bias. But my point of it is this, these mind games exist all over the place and they're worth studying. They're worth reverse engineering. Anx G said, when I was growing up, the sky was green and my Mandela affected. Well, one other point too is you don't have to debunk every single Mandela effect, although you can. And every time you do, you expose how the people who believe in it are terrible researchers because it takes less than five minutes to debunk any one of them. But you just have to categorically debunk it. And it exists, but it's not reality shifting. It's what I call imagination prompts. You know, you use like mid-journey. Like, give me an image of a cyborg penguin uh, with a jetpack, and it gives you an image. Well, it's very similar when you're sitting down and you're being asked about the Mandela effect. And they say, do you remember A or B? And when, let's say, for example, do you remember your underwear label having a cornucopia or not? Well, you probably have a very clear recollection of that logo. But they prompted you to recollect it with a cornucopia, the additional detail. And your imagination just automatically creates it. So they're prompting imaginings. And they're weighing that as equal to your memory. They're creating false memories. They really are. And it's actually a form of gaslighting to take something that's established as real and then to say to you, are you sure? Are you sure the sky is blue? Well, if I get you to question your perception, then you have been gaslit. The person asking the question is actually getting you to doubt your perceptions. And that's how the Mandela effect works. It's getting people to doubt their perceptions and fall for what is essentially a carnival trick, a magic show trick. It's a trick. Skyfish says Smokey the Bear or Smokey Bear. And look, even if... and Look, this is another problem too, because these are other effects, like Smokey the Bear or Smokey Bear. You're talking about something you probably memorized when you were a child. Like there are many explanations for why you may have a recollection that's off. But to jump to the conclusion of reality shift is a huge leap. And there's no explanation for it. There's no explanation for uh, people having some things that resonate with them and some don't. It's just insane. It's, it's actually, at this point, it's a form of delusion. And uh, most of it, I think, is just a desire to fit in with a group or something. Or a failure to admit that one can be wrong. And that's a big one, too. I notice a lot of people can't admit when they are wrong. And one final point, because this is uh, something I mentioned earlier. 
non-belief is not denialism. The people who believe in it will say, you're a Mandela Effect denialist because you're Mandela affected. Oh, because I don't know if it's Smokey the Bear or Smokey Bear. I'm affected. They label you as affected. They automatically include you. And no, I readily admit that I don't care. And I don't think I ever cared about any of these little things. And whether I remember it right or wrong is immaterial to me. And then you would also have to explain misremembered song lyrics. Millions of people misremember song lyrics. How come those aren't considered to be Mandela effects? Skyfish says, could it be Winston throwing yesterday's news into the furnace and replacing it with today's? Uh, no. No, because what they're talking about is uh, reality shifting. And the scale of the faking of the Mandela effect is just beyond what's humanly possible. We're talking about every VHS tape, every book. Like, no, it's just not even plausible. Not even close. And moreover, it still rests on the faulty premise that your memory is perfect. And uh, faulty eyewitness testimony is well documented. And until you can find me some Mandela effect witness who's won a spelling bee, I'm just not going to believe it. Because it, it's like, I misspelled a word. But instead of admitting I might have misspelled it, I'm just going to say reality shifted and all the dictionaries changed. But what's the point of it? Well, the point of it is this. The point of debunking it. Like, I don't care if people want to believe in garden fairies and Bigfoot and space stations. Believe what you want. I'm not a believer. I have higher standards of evidence. We're in the information age. So be a believer if you choose. But one of the reasons why I um, specifically looked closely at the Mandela effect is I saw people who were deconstructing the news, all these major events, saying the news is fake, the news is fake. But then at the same time, they're saying, oh, reality's fake. Well, which is it? If reality's fake, if reality's fluid and everything's changing, then what does it matter about the news? If anything, it destroys your credibility as an objective as a witness to the news. And moreover, if there is no objective reality, there is no objective news. There's no standard to hold them to. It's nihilism, is what it is. It's nihilism, I call it malware, and I think it's actually a targeted psyop meant to destroy the cognition of truthers, or at a minimum, distract them and contaminate their perception of media with this New Age babble. This is, again, why we have to quarantine. The off-world stage perspective has to break away from believers. Whether you're believing mainstream media stuff or some kind of delusion built upon some trick, some sleight of mind, a little bit of suggestion. Let's continue here. And, and uh, we'll probably address this topic again because every time I bring it up, it tends to trigger a lot of people. Uh, chemtrail juice in the jet fuel melted the Twin Towers. Has anybody considered that? Then we have... I have plenty more on the contrails, which I'm not getting into. I'm, I'm done with that topic. I just, I'm amazed that there are people 
who are horrified when they look at the sky at what are actually just natural cloud formations. I'm looking at this picture here, which I would happily have framed and put on my wall. And this chemtrail believer says, people say it's stunning. If only they would wake up. If only they would wake up. And this is the irony of it, is that truthers think they're, they're awake and others are sleeping. But in reality, they've adopted a nightmare. They've, they've entered into a nightmarish version of the blue pill reality, and they call them sleepers. So it's again, it's a false awakening. They're having a nightmare, and it is nightmarish. If I was scared of clouds, I would consider, yeah, my reality is pretty sinister. There are dark forces afoot here. You watch the movies, and they tell us what they're going to do as they dump poisons on us. It becomes an entire worldview, and I think for some people, they like it. Like, I could see some people, uh, maybe goths, for example, just kind of tacitly accepting the idea of chemtrails as just a condition of existence. It kind of adds to their the, the ambiance of, you know, this world's dying, and, and it's all just morose. Mankind is apathetic and just acquiescing to their own uh, extinction. Like, I actually knew a lot of people who were into environmentalism and the idea that there were too many people. And that's not a new idea on the left. The population crisis, though, is another one of these fake issues. Right wing is like, yeah, we're running out of people. Left wing is like, there's too many people. Well, which is it? Are we, are we running out? Or are there too many? And then you have the right, and like, we're running out of people, and everyone's being killed by the you-know-what. Well, then you have millions of people coming in from around the world, and suddenly they're like, uh-oh, we have people coming in. Well, you were worried about running out of people, now you have people coming in. And by all indications, these ones have more traditional values, and you're hoping for more real men instead of these Ken dolls that you're always mad about. You know, you look at the right-wing culture war issues, Everything is solved by importing the Taliban, basically. Let's merge the Taliban with the MAGA ban. But no, they want closed borders all of a sudden. It's just, to me, it seems like it would solve all the problems. No one really wants to solve any problems, and they don't want to know if the problem doesn't exist. People are married to their problems. Uh, Iran declares Antarctica its property in direct challenge to Biden in global treaty. Again, we fight over everything, but what are the points of agreement? Um, Antarctica is the bottom of the ball, and we're going to Mars. The points of agreement, that's the main thing. Uh, the, everything else is distraction. Regardless of what team you're rooting for in the Super Bowl today, we can all be united against gun violence. Travis Cowell said, there needs to be more strict laws, especially when toddlers are dying. This was days before the KC after-party shooting where 11 toddlers were shot. Interesting. Prophetic. Not at all an indication that this whole thing is hoaxed. I mean, think about it. Days before, and then I think he dropped like 50000 on it. I mean, he was partying afterward. People were like, how was he having a party after 11 kids got shot? easy. You know, these are 
celebrity-driven psyops. That's one of the indicators. You know, I look at what are the hallmarks of a, of a, of a fake event. Well, one, extraordinary claims, usually extreme body counts, but uh, the claims don't match up with what they show you. But two, there's some kind of immediately implementable political agenda attached to it, and there's generally a celebrity or two attached to it. And this this shooting was on the anniversary of Parkland, which is kind of interesting. We were kind of getting into the symbolism here. A few other things have popped up because we were talking about how Brock Purdy was compared to Lee Harvey, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. They said he looked like Lee Harvey Oswald, which he doesn't, but they said that. I'm like, why are they putting Oswald out on the world stage? I'm like, okay, well, there's a shooter afoot. What's going on? And then the, the opposing parties, I'm sorry, the opposing team's party gets shot up. So there was that. Then it's the anniversary of Parkland, which is also interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, Parkland Hospital is where JFK went. It's another Oswald connection right there. But then there's the parade on the 4th of July in 2022, Highland Park. Again, Parkland High, Highland Park. And the Highland Park shooter had a 47 tattooed on the side of his head, and it was obsessed with Lee Harvey Oswald which is kind of another connection here. And uh, finally, we were looking at Leave the World Behind was released on 11-22. And this latest shooting had 22 shot, 11 were kids. So they kept showing this 11-2-2. And the zip code where Leave the World Behind takes place has a 1963 in it. So if you look at the big picture, we have been seeing a lot of foreshadowing for this Oswald uh, for some kind of a shooting. And it gets even more interesting when we look at this latest um, assassination ordered by Putin, ostensibly. Navalny, who is 47. Just another one of these connections with the number 47 and an assassination. And we've been noting these 47s, uh, specifically because we're entering into the uh, 47th presidential race. Uh, Trump has the 47 on the side of his head, kind of like that sniper who loved Oswald. And the number 47 has been kind of a repeating in the last year. Here's a few examples. We were looking at this. Okay, Putin assassinates 47-year-old. Uh, recently, Derek Chauvin, 47, stabbed 22 times. What's the connection there? Well, Derek Chauvin uh, represents, of course, Western chauvinism. Derek is a hangman. And we're looking at the symbolism of Western chauvinism and BLM and the oppressor-oppressed narrative kind of being brought up in this context. Uh, Adam Johnson, hockey player, number 47, slashed by number 22. Again, Derek Chauvin, stabbed 22 times on a Black Friday, no less. Adam Johnson, slashed by a black player. All of this stuff seems very symbolic. Black and white is all just code for the manipulative Hegelian dialectics. Uh, Alex Soros... Alex Soros's magazine had the, quote, threat to assassinate Trump with the $47 on it. Then we have, let's see what else. There's a few other 47s, but this was the other big one. Oh, yeah, there's a video game out there, very popular, called Hitman 47. So there's some kind of 47 assassination code that we have been examining. We've been noticing this since the 4th of July, 4 of 7, 2022. 
and all of it connects to Lee Harvey Oswald, who's been popping up again in the news because of his resemblance to the quarterback, and also the Disney character Oswald, the bunny, has been revamped as some kind of a monster bunny, which has some some connections as well. Without reaching too far, it goes right into the Donnie Darko. And Donnie Darko has some interesting foreshadowing of both Donald Trump and a grotesque head wound. Skyfish says rubber toddlers. Oh, at the Kansas City Chiefs game, those 11 toddlers were shot, and we didn't see any of them. I'm like, huh, why, why couldn't they have just contacted the same supplier of fake dead kids that hooked them up out there in, in Israel and, and Palestine? Uh, they have hyper-realistic surgical training dolls that bleed and breathe. Why couldn't they have just had 22 of them? Or 11, whatever. I think it was 11. Just have 11 of them and just have some... You know, Travis Kels could have come out. He could have come out crying, holding some of these rubber dead kids for the camera. We don't do psyops here like they do over there. And I think the reason why is us. I think that we have a more sophisticated audience and we're a little more critical. We don't see an obvious rubber doll on the TV and turn away and cry. We're looking at it like, oh, that looks fake. And it's very partisan. Uh, so, for example, people who hate Israel will believe every bit of atrocity propaganda coming from Gaza. People who are pro-Israel will find everything from Hollywood, uh, Pallywood, you know, Palestine, to be questionable. So it's like, choose which you want to believe. It, it's partisan. And one of the axioms for autohoxology, it's number 47, is uh, essentially that in any event portrayed through media, if the interpretation is partisan, then you're looking at a, an aspect of a bifurcated psyop and it's fake. Reality's not like that. Reality isn't uh, choose which side you want to believe, and they're not mutually exclusive. No, there's one reality, but no, apparently there's two. Just choose which one. And my point of it is, if there's an anti and a pro, and it's being promoted by all the fake media networks, then yeah, it's it's fake. You could step back. All right, let's continue here. Salty says, eyes peeled on South Carolina. It's coming up as a target. Mark my words. We'll keep our eyes on that. And and the, the target thing as well. So Robert Crimo shoots up the 4th of July parade and then his mom shopping at Target. And if you look that day, there's pictures of his mom holding a Target shopping bag on it with a little Target symbol, which has some fascinating connections to... Some This whole thing is fascinating to me. I mean, I find it very interesting how we are being fed the news of the future through predictive programming and foreshadowing in order to get us just accepted as real. So you can kind of get an idea. Uh, and you know, some of these things have been going on for generations, like the alien invasion. Although recently, I've kind of come to the conclusion that the alien invasion is never going to happen, but that it's more or less a perception management operation where they're trying to get humanity to embrace the alien. And the left already has. So if you look at the left-right thing, the right wing is terrified of illegal aliens. They want closed borders. 
they're terrified of aliens that are extraterrestrial because now they're convinced that these things are demons. This has been something that's been spread by, like, even Tucker Carlson. The aliens are demons. So the right is closed borders. They want their closed national borders. They want the world closed to aliens. They, they want Space Force to protect them. They want their skin closed to injectable aliens. They want their front doors closed against any potential home invader, therefore Second Amendment. So they're all about self-defense, insecurity, strong borders, strong walls, closed off to alien invaders. Contrarily, the left is 100% porous. They're like, invade me, invade my home, invade our world, uh, go over the walls, we don't care. Everything is open. Why is this? Well, why is one porous? Why is one closed? That's because the left has embraced the alien, which is this. What happens if we have an alien invasion? Let's say the grays arrive. First of all, gray is a combination of black and white. It's the Hegelian dialectic, when they've merged two into one. It symbolizes the synthesis, the accomplishment of their great mission. But if aliens arrive, one of two things will happen. They will be benevolent, and all mankind will unite. Or they will hate us, and all mankind will unite to fight the alien. But the alien represents unification. And what I kind of think what they want us to do is embrace the alien, embrace open borders, embrace this total openness to a one world system with no distinctions. Everything goes gray, everything's mixed, everything's, all the various extremes are nullified. But if you got rid of all the borders, you get rid of all the nations, you know, you have this dissolution into oneness into the gray. And I think that's what the alien invasion represents. Getting man to embrace the other on every level. And it's part of this larger social engineering project, this new ageism. Thirst for Truth says, I hope China makes some more of those Trump shoes they sold out already. I know, I saw Trump come out with these golden shoes. The best thing since his NFTs. And they sold out fast. I looked on eBay and there were people selling those things for $4,000. I'm worried about the people wearing those. If you remember, like, in 2016, 2017, people wearing MAGA hats would be chased down by angry mobs. And I'm like, wow. Like, if anything says beat me up more than a MAGA hat, it's the gold shoes. And I, I don't have any problem with those shoes. I'm just saying that you wear those gold shoes in the wrong, in, in the wrong place, I just don't see it working out very well. I want to remind everybody of this from The Economist, and this is 2000 and, this is, now this is during Obama's reign, so this is pre-Trump. We're looking at The Economist cover, it says the weaker sex, and this is 2013. And it looks like a queue with a sad man inside the queue with a MAGA hat. But this is pre-MAGA, so how, how does this work? Well, that's not a cue. It's the male sign pointed down, and it's broken. And it says, the weaker sex, no family, no job, no prospects. But this is foreshadowing of the cue movement and of MAGA uh, years in advance. The Economist is really one of the best predictors of the future. We've seen so many examples of this magazine conveying messaging for the future. 
thrust is R says almost as bad as red shoes. Well, well, the gold shoe thing was at the sneaker con, I guess, and he has to raise money because he was sued for what three hundred and they're probably going to contest it. I've seen this again. It's just every time Trump gets hit in the courts, he gets a lot of support. And now you have truckers saying they're going to boycott New York because all truckers are MAGA. A lot of this stuff just seems like political theater. And I'm not sure how much of it I believe right now. Uh, all news is theater for the performance of the world history, which is written decades in advance. That's my premise here. My premise is that news bending is real, but in order to create the history that they've already prefabricated, they have to act it out. And it's a badly acted reality TV show. Yeah, here's David Hogg. He said, I bought shoptrumpsneakers.com and I redirected you to a page where you can call members of Congress about gun violence. So this is David Hogg uh, David Lanza, who has apparently rerouted 60,000 calls using this stolen domain, this cyber-squatted domain. And I let him know that, hey, this is the cyber-squatting, uh, this is a cyber-squatting case here. You know, the fact of it is, shop Trump sneakers, you could argue that Trump has enough distinction in the marketplace that he couldn't have accidentally have infringed here. And he admitted that he stole 60,000 clicks. So in 1999, Congress passed the Anti-Cyber-Squatting Consumer Protection Act to protect American consumers and businesses and to promote the growth of online commerce and to provide clarity by prohibiting cyber-squatting. This also includes typo-squatting, you know, one letter off. But the idea of stealing traffic with domains, it's... It's not really clever. It's it's actually um, something that he could be sued for. Statutory damages. Not that it'll happen. It would be nice. I think someone even have a they, they even have a um, someone put up a GoFundMe for Trump now. Like people really feel like they have to go to bat and fight for this billionaire. All right, let's continue. Uh, the JFK cult is still alive and well. This is Samuel Saldana who says, JFK is still alive. The person that was shot on 11-22-63 was a clone. And he's alive. It's in the Bible code. And here's a picture of JFK hanging out with Donald Trump. This is why I think it's important to separate from Trutherville. This is how bad they are. It says here, JFK is alive Bible code with President Trump, the Messiah, King Cyrus. The Messiah. And then I have a lot of these um, images. People are using Photoshop to age JFK Jr. And this guy here says, JFK Jr. is alive. This is him. Have a good day. This is a religious cult. This is a delusion. I have to remind them, look, according to the news, Ghislaine Maxwell and JFK Jr. were actually doing it, which is kind of weird considering uh, that they believe JFK is going to save the world from Ghislaine Maxwell. But you see what I mean. Uh, we've entered into this place where the people who don't believe the news 
go deeper into the matrix, deeper into delusion. And this is the only reason why I point this out. I point this stuff out just to show you that when you have removed the filter, when you have removed the basic skepticism, the initial and, and I think fundamental level of, of skepticism, which has to begin at the screen, if you remove that, you have what I call maids. And the people who believe this nonsense about these dead celebrities, these 120-year-old presidents, like Abraham Lincoln's going to come back and save us, and, and you could say anything. I could say, yeah, Abe Lincoln actually came back as uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and he's going to be the VP. Uh, there are people who would believe it. They would believe it first, and in fact, they would just believe it, no matter what it contradicts. And my point of it here again is that they're deeper in the matrix, deeper in delusion, and we have to break off a section of discourse, and that's what this think tank is, that's what the parallel media will be. We have to break away from the stuff, we have to look at it objectively. Can't let them get mixed up with us. And I don't want to be mixed in with any of the crazies who want to chop off the heads of uh, federal agents, for example. I don't want to be caught up with the provocateurs and instigators that uh, talk about eating their neighbors. Lean Dion says, time-traveling Tesla Trump. Yeah, well, even that. You know, let's, let's talk about the time-traveling Tesla Trump. Because this is a thing. Well, there's a couple of them. So this is a guy who insists... And he's wearing an Abraham Lincoln shirt. I have a couple of clips here. Okay, I have one clip from this guy who insists that Baron Trump is a time traveler. And we'll play that. But then I have this guy with an Abraham Lincoln shirt. Because they believe that Lincoln was like the second coming of Christ. JFK was the third. Trump is the fourth. Anyway, this guy is convinced that the pillow guy, Mike Lindell is JFK Jr. Mike Lindell. Who is? Is John John still alive? We're going to find out the truth. So you think you think that Mike Lindell is John F. Kennedy Jr.? Yes, I do. We're going to find do you, out. You have, a, you have a picture to prove it there? So this is a picture of Mike Lindell and John F. Kennedy Jr. And so what's, what's the evidence here? Well, the evidence is we're going to find out that people had to play certain roles to get the truth out to people. So why would John F. Kennedy Jr. fake his own death and then assume the identity of a pillow salesman? Well, you have to ask yourself, what was he running for? He was running for a seat in New York. Who won that seat? Was it Hillary Clinton? So, so, so John F. Kennedy Jr. is actually Mike Lindell. We'll find out. We'll find out. A lot of insinuation, they never say definitively, and they like to answer questions with questions. They become super spreaders of very bad ideas, and they use very bad argumentation. And this is what's interesting, too, is that when people adopt these false beliefs, it's not just they, they carry out or repeat some extraordinary, bizarre claim but they actually repeat the same logical fallacies and they use the same rhetorical strategies. So for example, uh, chemtrail people will resort to five or six different logical fallacies, moving the goalpost, all kinds of dishonest tactics to stay in the right. Mandela affected go into ad hominem. Name calling works for a lot of people. 
not to mention calling you a denialist, which is uh, wrongfully shifting the burden of proof. But my point of it is, when uh, people adopt these various obscure, bizarre, indefensible beliefs, uh, they take the entire piece of like um, malware that goes along with it that forces it in and they give that to other people. You couldn't get someone to accept this without going and, and bypassing a, a number of, I think, um, questions that you would have to ask first, like the certain presuppositions. It's just so much to take in. And my point of it is the people who are believing this stuff are automatically believing it, unfiltered. It's a mess. It's a disaster. Trutherville is a disaster. And then you have the manufactured evidence, where QAnon types have been manufacturing evidence for years, even when it's been debunked, and they recycle it. I'm seeing all kinds of recycled stuff. Uh, this is going around again. Frazzledrip, a file name that happens to have a video of Hillary Clinton surgically removing a girl's face and wearing it and drinking adrenochrome. Like, these are urban myths going back eight or nine years. And many of the celebrities and politicians who are the centers of these little stories, they're not even relevant anymore. You know, kind of like the Mandela effects. There's a point where you're going to have a generation of people who don't know who Ed McMahon is. And there haven't been any new effects. Uh, here's an example of uh, a, a person who's addicted to hopium. Elaine Wasi said, Q-drop number 3,872 has its fourth year anniversary tomorrow. So they call anniversaries, quote, deltas. And they believe that time-traveling Q is able to post Q-drops years in advance. So you have to watch for the, quote, deltas, or the anniversaries. So this person is convinced that according to Q, on February the 17th, 2020, it would be game over. Well, it didn't happen in 2020. So the next year, February 17th, they said, oh, it's a one-year delta. Didn't happen. I mean, this is worse than Scientology. So here's someone waiting. Hopefully this time, four years after the Q drop, it will be game over. Didn't happen. It's the day after. It never deters them. And that's part of the game. It's part of the grift. It's part of the PSYOP itself. It's much like Seventh-day Adventists, an entire religion based on Jesus not showing up at the appointed time, but that it's now incumbent upon them to be extra faithful, because when he does show up, you'll be rewarded for it, and the less he shows up, the more you believe he will show up. It is mind-bending. Okay, let's go ahead and continue going through my Twitter feed. All right, here we go. I have a lot of things, a lot of topics I've been hitting re recently that I'm trying to get past. I want to have some formal debates. If anybody wants to debate me on chemtrails, let's do it. If you want to debate me on Mandela effects, let's do it. And by debate, I don't mean a back and forth um, argument. I mean, I get five minutes, you get five minutes. To address what I say and we have a moderator and then we go on a number of topics and questions but we have an allotted period of time and we make our best case for our positions 
and we let the audience decide. So if anybody wants to debate any of these topics, any of these truth or orthodoxies, I'm 100% open to it because that's really the next stage here. And I like to point out many of these contradictions. For example, there are some people who are very concerned about the potential side effects of something they will never take. Very concerned. There are people who have been expressing concern for something they will never do, that their political enemies are really into. And like, don't do this because it has side effects. And yet these same people believe in chemtrails and don't wear masks for chemtrails. So it's like, wait, you don't take any protective measures for the chemicals and toxins that the airplanes are spraying on your face. But you're very concerned for potential side effects of something that you're never going to do. Like, there's something not adding up here. And I think what's, adding, what's not adding up is uh, people's actions are not aligning with their professed beliefs. You know, hypocrisy, in other words. And it exists all over the place, but what we're trying to get to is the firewall. What I'm ultimately aiming to do is expose the firewall in the minds of the alt-media and those who are programmed by it. Because this firewall is what is keeping people from seeing through the worldview filter that has just been you know, put over your eyes in the day that you were born. Angst G says, IPS should interview Dane Wigington of Geoengineering Watch. Yeah, let me point this out too. Uh, the term geoengineering is kind of funny because when you say you don't believe chemtrails, they'll say, well, what about geoengineering? And they all say it, geoengineering. So according to chemtrail believers, geoengineering is some kind of science fiction uh, technology that involves altering the weather and man's doing it and there are patents that prove that it's happening. Well, that's not actually true. Uh, geoengineering is a term used to describe climate change remediation. So for years, they've been hyping up this hypothetical, quote, geoengineering as some kind of threatening phenomenon that we ought to know about. But at some point along the line, the climate change people appropriated that term. So geoengineering is now climate change remediation. So if you say you believe in geoengineering, what are you really saying? That you agree with Greta and it's geoengineering is a good thing because it fights climate change? Or are you suggesting that geoengineering is some kind of separate thing? Fascinatingly, both geoengineering and climate change are based on the presupposition of anthropogenic climate change itself. Like They both presuppose that man is going to ruin the world unless we regulate him. Like, could that be the purpose here? They get both sides to agree on some big proposition while they fight over everything else. And I think that's pretty much how this thing works. But the people who are referring to this thing as geoengineering are taking this perspective that the government is secretly doing stuff. And this is interesting because anybody on the right or anybody who's conspiratorial will say, well, if there's something happening to the climate, government's doing it, and these patents prove it. They point their fingers at government, but the left do the opposite. They assume it's changing, but they blame the free market. They blame Republicans. They blame the right. 
So it's another one of these bifurcated psyops. And I don't believe that any of these two-pronged psychological operations are anything other than distractions from some big lie that they're getting both sides to accept. And this has been the case with every single issue that I have been going through here. There's a schism in everything designed uh, to keep everyone split right down the middle, to keep them fighting, to maintain the perpetual info war. And really that's what this is. It's the info war. And are you fighting the info war? Are you uh, thinking you can win the info war? That's the starting point for a lot of truthers. They're like, oh look, we got to counter the information with truthier information. Uh, but the red pill and the blue pill have the same manufacturers. Elon Musk posted this a few days ago. Amazing that some people still think the news is real. This is an obvious attempt to dilute the conversation. And look, the news is real. The Mandela effect is real. But the Mandela effect isn't what the affected believe it is. It's a misperception. It's created through faulty memory eliciting or, or false memory creation. But the Mandela effect is real. It's not reality changing. The news is real, but it's not reportage. No, it's actually reality TV. It's scripted and it's largely uh, staged. But to say news is real as a joke, to be ironic, it's like, we're not saying all news is fake. You see, they take it too far. Like, birds aren't real. Well, I'm sorry, but birds aren't real is not an equivalent claim to fill-in-the-blank event was fake. These are not equivalent claims, but this is an obvious attempt to dilute the conversation. So it's important to point this out. One thing they can't do is they can't reference auto-hoaxology or mass media deconstruction. You know, they, they can't go that far. What we're doing is actually above the uh, security clearance of probably 99% of the operatives out there. They don't know. A lot of them don't know what they're actually gatekeeping, I'm convinced of it. They wouldn't be as effective as propagandists if they were really aware of it. Because they would recognize that, okay, I'm also duped. Some of them might even resent it. Who knows? You know, I happen to think that some of the best uh, liars out there are the people who are insulated from the truth because I think it would be hard to uh, maintain the facade. I mean, look how these various performers are unable to conceal their glee. You just got to fake cry on TV for five minutes. You can't do that. All right, let's see what's happening in the chat here. Yeah, if you want to re um, email anybody who um, you want to perhaps invite on to debate, I want to do debates. I want to do some conversations on these topics. We can agree to the terms in advance, but I want to move things forward. I think a lot of these conversations are stagnant. And I think when somebody loses a debate, or when a debate has um, been performed, you have to look afterward, look, you know, kind of review it and say, well, what did we learn? What arguments are failed? Like, there has to be some progress. And there are some of these topics where there's been no progress, no new information. I don't even bother with the flat earth versus round earth debates, because the fact of it is, you can't have an honest conversation about that if you're not including in your assessment the 
possibility of movie magic supplanting so-called uh, scientific evidence. And the people who debate on the side of the uh, establishment worldview, they don't even include movie magic. It's like they don't know that it's being used. Uh, in fact, I heard Fight the Flat Earth try to say that citing movie magic is an argument from incredulity. Like that was the best he could do. But the visual illiteracy of the true believer, of the MSM fundamentalists, actually precludes them from having an informed and intelligent discussion on the subject. They've been dumbed down uh, through, of course, the new illiteracy, visual illiteracy. And this is why you can't give believers the moral high ground or the intellectual high ground. One, they're totally on the side of the psychological warfare operations, so they lose the moral high ground. But they lose the intellectual high ground because their perceptions have been put through a, a ringer where they can't tell real from fake unless some authority has told them. They've accepted the screen as some kind of an authority. So some of these debates aren't worth having yet. But we will certainly get there. Um, I feel like the next place to start, though, is the the ISS, because it is one of their most flawed operations to date. And that's why I'm convinced that that movie, ISS, had zero loose hair. If you look back, it seems like one of the ways that they try to convince us of the illusion was they always had the hair on the female astronauts sticking straight up. A ton of spray paint. I'm sorry, a ton of uh, hairspray. But they, they use a lot of hairspray. Um, or they're hanging upside down, but they always made it a point to show the the hair because it's, oh look, obviously they're in space. So I thought, well this movie will be interesting because how are they going to simulate that? Is it going to look just as dumb? Or are they going to make it look better? Because any significant improvement would draw attention to how fake the quote real space station is. And in the movie, they made a point to not have any loose hair floating around. And I think that was by design. They have to hide the fakery. They have to not draw attention to it. It's a very sensitive thing. In fact, if you haven't seen ISS, it's a terrible movie. But, and I think you might agree with me, they seem to be, specifically when it comes to the astronauts floating around, they seem to be deliberately dumbing down the special effects a little bit. And I, I suspected they would do that. It's a very sensitive topic. We're talking about the ISS being a 25-year blooper reel. It's really one of the most, I think, egregious examples of movie magic replacing reality for you know an entire section of our worldview. Everything above the Carmen line has just been augmented with movie magic. Angstry says Elon claiming news is fake and then goes on how he's going to send us to Mars. Yeah, this is also one final point. Here you have um, Elon Musk, this free speech crusader, and he's engaged in the culture wars, one of the most polarizing figures out there. And yet, he's in total agreement with the WEF. He's in total agreement with Klaus Schwab, and, and David Icke has been pointing this out, that Musk is a greenie, he's in favor of 
pretty much every form of uh, centralized authoritarian control over everybody, plus he wants to put chips in your head, and yet somehow he's managed to put on this mantle of free speech crusader because he's willing to throw a few bombs into the uh, culture war. But people fall for it. It's like, look, Mousegate, he's laughing at us. If you don't know about Mousegate, it's a pretty clear example of the fact that not only are we being messed with, but uh, they find it funny, and they can just play these jokes right in front of our faces, and they can say, well, it must be real because it looks so fake. Anyway, thanks for joining. We'll likely start earlier tomorrow. Um, I'm going to have a number of other uh, videos uploaded here and there, so subscribe to the main channel, and we'll be back. We just had to take a break while I got through with some of this legal stuff, got over the hot skull. Anyway, thanks for your patience, and if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get the archives via email uh, later on tonight. This is Death to the Ball, when I Jack. Oh